Today on the Word Preacher Podcast, Christmas Facts, Christmas Mysteries, and Christmas Lessons. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Word Preacher Podcast. Our Come Follow Me curriculum for the end of the year is going to bring us to a final story about Christmas. Um, So let's consider a few of the facts about the Christmas story that we know. First, Jesus was literally born in Bethlehem. Joseph was not the father of Jesus. He was the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, but He was considering putting Mary away privately, but was only persuaded not to because he was told in a dream by an angel that the child was conceived of the Holy Ghost. In other words, this baby was not like other children. Mary had not been unfaithful. The child was literally the Son of God. Angels appeared to nearby shepherds who saw Mary and the baby Jesus. This isn't some dramatic event. People out in the hills felt compelled to come and visit, to see the newborn baby and to testify what they had seen. Another fact, a new star appeared. Uh, This was one of the signs that represented the birth of the new king. There was a night of light in the Western Hemisphere. The this coming of this sign was important because it saved the lives of the Christians who lived there. Another fact, Jesus was not a baby when the wise men arrived. He was already a young child. Now, we don't know how many wise men there were. That's not a fact. What we do have is the number of kinds of gifts that they gave, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Frequently that's used to interpret that there were three wise men. Um, But uh, the traditions surrounding their identities and purposes, not facts. Um, What is a fact, the account of the offering of two turtle doves, this was an option for poor individuals to offer. Um, for the coming of, of a new child. This was not the, the typical lamb to be sacrificed. This meant that Mary and Joseph were not rich. They were struggling uh, if they had to just settle for two doves. Uh, Simeon and Anna, who were at the temple, as a matter of fact, they recognized the child. Simeon pronounced a prophecy, and Anna gave thanks that she had lived to see the coming of the Son of God, the King of Israel. Some of these facts, I think, are um, things that we take for granted, the things that we just know about the season. And it gets wrapped up in other things, commercialization and, and other things that maybe aren't even bad, but... Focusing on what we know about it is a good exercise 
uh, every Christmas season. Certainly, it's worth thinking about some of the mysteries, some of the things that we do not know. For example, why is it that there was no room for them in the inn, as is recorded in Luke chapter 2? Now, it's possible that Mary and Joseph were too poor to afford a room. Or it's possible that all of the spaces were occupied and that they might have scraped enough together to, to retain a room, uh, but there was actually no available space and it had all been previously occupied. It's possible that other prejudices against them forced them to find refuge in a nearby stable. Some even claim that the stable was given as a gesture of goodwill, a positive thing, to provide privacy for uh, Mary, who was about to give birth. Um, some of these are, it's just a mystery that we don't know. There are things we don't understand about that. Um, and so it's in, important to kind of think about what are the circumstances that could have contributed to what we found in the nativity story. Another mystery, why didn't Luke include the flight of Jesus and Mary and Joseph to Egypt? The involvement of Herod butchering children of Judah, um, I, I think that would have been noteworthy. Not to mention the star and the coming of the wise men, not to be found in Luke's account, let alone uh, Mark or John. Of course, Mark and John had different uh, reasons for, for their accounts. But, um, but for Luke not to include it is a little surprising. Luke says that after fulfilling the law, after giving it an account of uh, him being brought to the temple, that Mary and Joseph went back to Galilee, to Nazareth. And, and he just leaves it at that. And we really don't know why that is. It's led some people to, to conclude that uh, the massacre of the innocents, that Herod's crimes were just made up. Uh, I don't think that's true. Herod really was uh, a nasty guy. And it did, as Matthew points out, fulfill some prophecies. Um, so we don't know why Luke did not include that. Um, additionally, the wise men themselves are shrouded in a bit of mystery. I mean, when we think about it, this was occurring in the days of Caesar Augustus, who declared that all the world should be taxed. He was the great power, and the seat of that power was in Rome, on the in the Italian peninsula, not out in Judea, there really wasn't anything super exciting going on there anymore, and hadn't been for decades. So we can say that Judah, though they had briefly gained independence after the rebellion of Judas Maccabeus, they, they were just another Roman province. Now, Herod, who is called king in the story, um, uh, he, he wasn't actually the king. Uh, it was sort of a title that was given to him. After a Parthian uh, disruption in Judea, Herod fled to Rome to plead for help to restore the, the previous 
ruler of that region to power uh, from the Parthians. And in this, he, to the surprise of many, was appointed king of the Jews by the Roman Senate. This isn't something he got through military victory or any other deeds of, of renown. He was just appointed by the Roman Senate out in Italy. Now, Mark Anthony, who was still um, uh, a power at this stage of history, uh, he was sent down. Of course, Pompey had, had conquered the region for Rome. Mark Antony was uh, in a position of power, and he arranged for an army to be sent to recapture Jerusalem. Um, now, Herod went down and, and began to exert influence and tried to win favor. Uh, some of the things he did were including exiling his own wife and child to marry uh, the previous king's granddaughter. Uh, and he required the people of Idumea to obey Jewish law and adopted many of their customs as his own. Now, ultimately, it wasn't because of Herod, but because of Roman power that uh, that Rome was uh, that Jerusalem was was conquered again, uh, and they left Herod to be the king of the Jews there for thirty seven years. Um, th there was a little bit of of power balance that he had to deal uh, when he had to switch from backing Mark Antony over to backing Caesar Augustus, who had triumphed over Mark Antony in their conflict. Um, but he maintained his position. He was there for quite some time, nearly four decades. And he tried to maintain his popularity through all sorts of projects. Some of them were important, including the Second Temple in Jerusalem. Now, Judea, uh, even in spite of all this, not particularly important. Herod was kind of a manipulative weasel who was willing to kill his own family members. Uh, absolutely, as a matter of historical record, he executed many members of his family and this new wife that he had, uh, just on frivolous charges. He was not a good guy. He was not a great king. He was not particularly powerful. Who cared about Judea? Who out in the East would have possibly cared about a prophecy about some new star and someone who would be born king of the Jews? When people who considered themselves most pious, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they did not seem to be watching for such a sign. They were not moved when this event occurred. And it's important to note that the wise men, as recorded in Matthew, they didn't just have a passing interest like, oh, that's, that's worth recording in our writings. No, they traveled inquiring of Herod that they might go and worship him and bring gifts. Now, we don't know the answer to this mystery. Who were these wise men, and why were they interested in this insignificant little region that had been largely forgotten and ignored by the rest of the world? Uh, what we do know is that the birth of Jesus 
influenced people in ways that we don't always recognize. He really changed the world when he came. And we don't always see all of the signs of how he was able to influence people, but he absolutely did. Which brings us to some lessons worth thinking about for the Christmas season. The point of all of this, the arrival of Jesus Christ changes everything. The wise men recognize this. The innkeepers, eh, not so much. There is an appropriate blend of majesty and humility that we see in the Christmas story. It was okay for Jesus to be born in very humble circumstances, a trough where animals chewed hay, the place where lay the king of kings. But then simultaneously, an element of glory, angels in a great choir proclaiming good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto us is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We should strive for the kind of dignity that Christ brought, not necessarily of great worldly status, but of sincere and heartfelt goodness. The wise men were not wise solely because they recognized the star and the meaning of it, but because they diligently sought to grow close to the King of Kings. In the end, it's not enough to know about Christmas and the coming of Christ. We too must diligently seek him. There are new things to learn and consider about Christmas, even the old traditions of it. And ultimately, the, the, the truths, the facts that form the basis of all our Christmas traditions, they remain pertinent today. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Next week, we will begin a, a section that I am super excited for, the Old Testament. Uh, we will be beginning with the pre-mortal life and looking at Old Testament records in the Pearl of Great Price. So we look forward to studying that together as we begin the new year. Of course, enjoy your Christmas holidays, and uh, as always, fight on. Thank you.